Welcome to VHAIE, a podcast sponsored by the VHA Innovators Network and Diffusion of Excellence Initiative that focuses on all the great innovative work driven by VA employees to improve veteran care and the veteran and VA employee experience. I'm Brian Stevenson, a diffusion specialist with the Diffusion Initiative, a veteran, and your host for this episode. This episode is a bit different than the others. On August 29th and 30th, 2018, the VHA Innovation Ecosystem held its celebratory event, the VHA Innovation Experience, where more than 70 frontline employees shared the progress and outcomes of their innovative practices. As part of this event, 13 VA employees shared more detailed accounts of how their work is cultivating change across the largest integrated healthcare system in the country at the inaugural VHA IE Talks. On this episode, we will be reflecting on one of those talks given by Dr. Alina Seckel of the William S. Middleton Memorial Veterans Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. During this episode, we will hear Dr. Seckel's talk and also hear some insights she shared during a conversation after the event about her practice, increasing access to primary care through clinical pharmacy specialists. It is our hope that this mini-episode of VHAIE will provide greater insight into the efforts our creative, dedicated VA employees are making to better the care our nation's veterans receive across the country. Good morning, everyone. My name is Alina Seckel, Associate Chief of Ambulatory and Specialty Care at the Madison VA for Pharmacy Service, and I am beyond delighted to be with all of you today. So I wanna start out today by asking you all a question. When you think of and you hear the word pharmacist, what's the image that comes to your mind? Do you think of someone that provides medication education, perhaps dispenses medications, Maybe someone that works at Walgreens, CVS, or your local drugstore. Most people sort of think of this traditional role of the pharmacist, which is an important role. But I'm here to tell you today about how the VA pharmacist provider is in direct contrast to the traditional vision that people think of when they hear the word pharmacist. VA pharmacist providers are like this one, Dr. Anita Kashup, who's in our Madison clinics with patients. And VA pharmacist providers are advanced practice providers. They see patients in clinic, they do the same thing that physicians do once a patient has been diagnosed. They can prescribe medications, start, stop, change those, place referrals, order consults, and they manage a slew of chronic disease states, specifically in primary care, you think, diabetes, blood pressure, hyperlipidemia, gout, BPH, COPD, CHF, anemia, the list goes on and on. And these pharmacist providers are highly trained. They go through undergraduate education, four years of a doctorate degree, a PharmD, and many go on to complete one to two years of additional residency training. How many of you knew that this sort of practice for VA is actually not new? VA pharmacists have been able to, all right, we got a couple, very good. <laughs> uh, VA pharmacist providers have been able to hold scopes of practice federally since 1995. And in fact, today there are over 4,000 pharmacists practicing under scopes of practice, allowing them these privileges today. 
What problem were you aiming to solve with increasing access to primary care through clinical pharmacy specialists? The problem for us, just like many healthcare systems, is always ensuring timely access to care. So at the time when we started, wait times for new patients were greater than 30 days, and patients needed to be getting in to be seen. So by offloading primary care provider routine appointments, things for diabetes or blood pressure or hypothyroidism or other chronic conditions that a pharmacist provider could manage, we then opened up slots for other patients to get in to be seen. And today at the Madison VA, primary care patients can be seen same day for access to care. Help me understand what your specific role is with the practice, please. My role in the particular practice was as the lead in implementation. So initially at the time, we had had many pharmacy residents that were helping see patients, but we didn't have enough permanent presence of pharmacists on each of our primary care teams. And so my project for that year was to focus on how to ensure the pharmacists we did have were working to the top of their scope in the teams and also to expand the presence on the team. So through doing a number of different interventions, including like we talked about offloading appointments, we also did new patient calls to help speed up the first appointments for patients, which saved 20 minutes on average for every appointment. And we also fully integrated on the teams, which improved team satisfaction and morale. So all of those pieces were parts of the team. And uh, my role to focus with our team was to roll out those initiatives and support others in implementing them as well. A couple things to note about how the Madison project was different and how we're working to implement the model changes across VA. So pharmacist providers in Madison in 2015 recognized that we had an access issue. Wait times were greater than 30 days in primary care and we wanted to do something about it. But there were a couple barriers at that time. We were pretty under-resourced, about two pharmacist providers for over 30 teams, which is not enough. And we had many of our services that were provided by residents at that time. So we wanted to make sure that we had a pharmacist embedded on every primary care team and really positioned to help open access and improve outcomes. So through a number of different modalities, we were able to implement pharmacists on teams, fully optimize their roles, which resulted in offloading 27% of primary care provider appointments, opening up over a quarter of appointments for access or other patients that needed to get in to be seen. We were also able to save 20 minutes for every new patient that came to the VA through new patient calls. Could you provide me a high-level overview of the increasing access to primary care through clinical pharmacy specialist practice, the details, maybe a basic workflow of, of how the practice is executed? The probably most prevalent piece is, for example, when a patient may come in to see their primary care provider and they get diagnosed with diabetes. That primary care provider may choose to start medication therapy or have some education on diabetes, and thereafter, in the old model, may bring the patient back to see themselves again in a month. In this model, instead of having the patient come back to see the PCP in a month, they see the pharmacist provider instead. And that pharmacist provider provides education for the patient, talks about diet and lifestyle, makes medication adjustments, starts, stops, changes for whatever is best for the patient and fits their needs, and then will follow the patient closely until the patient reaches their goal. 
So they may see the patient every two weeks, three weeks, monthly, whatever the patient's care is indicated for, which not only provides additional access for that particular patient, but also opens up time for the primary care provider to see other patients that need to be seen. So that's the main sort of workflow. Other components are these pharmacist providers will also perform population health and population management. So we're lucky in VA to have lots of dashboards rich with information that will show us how many patients in our panel have an A1C greater than nine, how many have blood pressures that are above goal, how many should be on a statin medication that are not. And they will work with the nurses and also call patients directly to get them engaged in care to improve both individual care and the health of the populations overall. The other components specifically focused on saving time for new patient appointments, our pharmacist team will contact patients one week before veterans are brand new to the VA. So they've really had no other contact with the VA as of yet. And the pharmacist introduces themselves, introduces the patient to the team, starts to form the relationship, gets a full history of the patient's medical needs, as well as a full review of the patient's medications, completes a significant amount of the work up front on the phone with that patient, and then that has, through our time study, saved 20 minutes on average for every time the patient then subsequently comes in to see their PCP. So those are some of the specific components of the practice, in addition to, of course, the pharmacist being resourced to the primary care team at large, can provide medication support and drug information, and that ongoing chronic disease management support as well. Okay, so it sounds like as a veteran, I have a lot more avenues for my health care, more touch points. I can see my primary care when I need to, but it sounds like I'm getting some additional correspondence through my PAC team. Could you explain how the clinical pharmacy specialist and patient line care team work together? Yeah, that's great. And I think you hit on a number of really important points. There are more touch points. There is more access. And the patients are also seeing better care outcomes. A1Cs are improving. Blood pressures are getting to goal more quickly. They're getting both greater access to care and quicker results to control their chronic disease states as well. And so, how the pharmacist provider or clinical pharmacy specialist works within the team We do have weekly team meetings. So, for example, on my team, once a week, I sit down with our primary care provider, our RN, the LPN, licensed practical nurse, and our scheduler, and we talk about the patients that might be facing some unique challenges, and we strategize together on how each of us can be most supportive to that patient and perhaps bringing up some considerations based on our different areas of expertise that other team members wouldn't naturally think about. So we have those team meetings where we discuss patients, and then we work really closely together on the population health, population management parts of the pieces. And so it becomes a really fluid process. So maybe a patient calls the scheduler and says, I've got a question about one of my medications, and the scheduler will contact the pharmacist provider on the team to say, hey, this is the question the patient has. What would you like me to respond, or would you talk to the patient? So the flow of communication amongst the team improves. And then similarly with the RNs and the LPNs, perhaps the LPN says, hey, this patient's blood pressure was elevated today. Do you have anything you'd want to address? And then we can work together to help that patient right then and there rather than saying, well, schedule them for an appointment where they would have to come back 
or you've got to wait till the PCP is done with his patient or her patient and try to catch them in between. So lots of opportunity for collaboration and strategizing and getting patients the care that they need in that moment rather than delaying or having patients come back for the care that they need. I'd like to transition now to tell you three stories in three minutes. The first, my story, why I'm here today. The second, a colleague's story. And the third, my patient's story. So first, why am I here? This is me and my grandma. My grandma is 82 years old. She's got bright red hair. She's actually a couple inches shorter than me, if you can believe that. <laughs> uh, she's about the most stubborn woman that you will ever meet. And it's because of her stubbornness that she pushed our family to immigrate to America from Belarus. This is me when we first immigrated. And my first apple was in Italy on my way to the United States. And then in the upper left-hand corner is me and my parents when we first uh, got here to the United States. That same stubbornness that brought us here, my grandma's stubbornness pushes her to always ask before she takes a new medication or has a medication change, she'll always ask me first. And most of the time, it's not an issue. She never had problems, everything looked okay. But I remember one time, she had a new prescription prescribed for her from her specialist. And her specialist and her primary care provider were not communicating. And I truly believe that had she taken this medication, she would have fallen, and I don't know if she would have gotten back up. My colleague's story. This was a message that a veteran sent to my colleague, another pharmacist provider at RBA. I'm moving soon, and I wanted to say thank you. You've helped me so much. I'm not exaggerating when I say you've saved my life. If I wouldn't have received care at the VA, I promise you I would have been dead by now. I didn't want to leave without saying goodbye and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Pretty powerful. And finally, my patient story. I recently saw a patient who'd been referred for diabetes, had had diabetes for quite a few years, blood sugars in the two and three hundreds. And we talked about a number of different things, but one of the questions I asked him about was his injection technique. And I tell you, this man was smart. He gave me the textbook answer as if I had just told it to him, education-wise. So you can imagine my surprise when I asked to see his abdomen, and he lifted up his shirt. And when he was rotating, he was only rotating on one spot on each side of his belly. A bunch of scar tissue had built up. So we talked about the proper injection technique. He started rotating, and within two days, his blood sugars dropped over 100 points. Yeah, it made a big impact for him. We were actually able to get him off of insulin eventually. So what do these three stories have in common? A pharmacist provider was able to greatly impact their lives and improve their care. So we've heard a little bit about how it's going to help the veteran, how it improves face time, it increases access to health care, it provides extensive information to the whole health care of the veteran. What kind of feedback are you receiving from clinical pharmacy specialists or primary care providers who've involved with this practice? That's a good question, really trying to think about it from all angles, from all people affected. From our primary care providers, they absolutely love it. They, it saves them time, it helps with burnout, it's improved satisfaction scores. So they are really happy with this additional team member and the full integration. Now that doesn't always happen at the initial onset if maybe they've 
had pharmacists in clinic, but they haven't worked in this capacity before, or maybe this relationship is new, sometimes there's a little bit of, just like anything else, building trust and building relationships. Sure, sure. But once that occurs, we've never heard anyone <laughs> want to give their pharmacist up, and then many times they hold on to them quite tightly and um, ask for more. So, so it sounds like the veteran feedback has been received well. Yes, definitely. Our veterans feel like they're getting additional attention, they're getting more touch points, they understand things more clearly, and many times they feel like the pharmacist is is a patient advocate for them, where maybe that's something they they haven't necessarily had as clear of a vision of before. Though all of our team members, of course, are always advocates, I think, because they have additional touch points with the pharmacist. A lot of information flows through. They can ask a lot of questions, and they, they feel a closer connection, which has been really exciting for us. And then thinking from the pharmacist provider perspective, people are really excited to be working in these roles. This is pharmacist providers working to the top of our licensure, our education, what we're truly capable of, and it's what we're trained to do. So what are we doing to spread this model? We've been really lucky to partner with the Clinical Pharmacy Practice Office and the Office of Rural Health to spread this from site to site. So far, we've conducted about 35 site visits with dozens more on the horizon. It's been really inspirational to meet all these teams of people who really want to redesign the model and optimize their pharmacist role and make sure we're using them to the top of their scope in order to open up access to care. A number of the key components that have been really important in optimizing the role and making these sites successful a, ensuring that the pharmacists are not performing operational functions, not processing orders, not completing non-formulary consults. B, that anticoagulation care is conducted separate and distinct from the pharmacist's role in primary care in a centralized clinic. And C, that ancillary support is provided the same to the patients that are seeing the pharmacist provider as those that see the primary care provider. So that scheduling support is completed, LPNs and health techs are checking in patients. This allows the pharmacist to spend optimal time with the patient and open access to care. This is exciting, Alina. So we've covered quite a bit about capability, how the veteran and the provider both benefit from the practice. But every great practice must have had some barriers uh, as it was growing into what it's become. Can you speak to any of the barriers you ran into when you first implemented this practice in Madison? In an example, what are some of the lessons you learned as you first implemented the practice at your facility? One of the biggest lessons is that it involves a cultural shift to not just embed a pharmacist on the team, because actually in VA, there have been pharmacists practicing in VA, in clinics, really since before 1995, and we've been able to prescribe since that time. It's a cultural change, though, for what are the activities that that pharmacist is doing in clinic and how do they fully work within the team. And so sometimes people think, oh, well, the pharmacist just does medication reconciliation or just looks for drug interactions, and they don't realize the full scope of what the pharmacist provider is is capable of doing with changing medications and really managing disease states, again, doing the same thing a physician does once a patient's been diagnosed. So part of it is education and cultural change, which that's one of the big barriers initially. People think of a traditional pharmacist role, perhaps at a retailer or chain pharmacy. This is a different type of pharmacist additional training, additional experience, and it's really a different pharmacist role. So that's one piece. 
I think the other part is once there's recognition and appreciation for the pharmacist's role as a true provider on the team, then we need to ensure that structurally the pharmacist is supported in the same way that any other provider would. So making sure that the pharmacist has full scheduling support, that there's full check-in and vital support, so the LPNs are performing vitals for the patients that the pharmacists are seeing. And that is a pretty big challenge, especially as we travel from site to site and implement this practice. Staffing shortages are difficult. Culture change is hard. But that's a really critical component because if the pharmacist is doing those support roles, that's time that's taken away from the patient. And that's not what we want. We want to make sure our patients are getting ample time and the full time they should with their provider. And then the third piece is just what we were talking about earlier. As you integrate on the team and work with primary care providers' patients, now they've got another provider that's making medication adjustments with their patients. And so it becomes, well, it's not just one person's patient. We are all working together as a team. The patient is who owns their health care, not any of us. And then making sure that we're all working in tandem and have trust and are focused on what's best for the patient overall. So let's think about what this could look like over the next five years. Imagine every veteran having same-day access to care. Imagine every veteran being on only the medications they need and their chronic conditions well controlled. And imagine every veteran feeling well and whole. We are really excited about the opportunity to spread this and we will not stop until every veteran has access to this care. Thank you. Before we end our, our interview, I first want to say thank you so much, Dr. Alina Seckel, for meeting with me today and going over your incredible gold status practice, increasing access to primary care through clinical pharmacy specialists. Dr. Seckel, is there anything else in our closing remarks that you'd like to reveal to our audience that we may not have covered today? First of all, I want to say thank you to you as well for taking the time to spend with me. And I think I just want to make sure people know how hard and how dedicated employees of the VA are to our mission of serving our veterans and that people work day in and day out with that purpose, not just as a professional purpose, but as a personal purpose. And I hope that that is a message that can continue to spread as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VHA Innovation Ecosystem Podcast. We hope you learned something about VA and the work employees are doing to improve care for veterans. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode. Until next time.